It looks like I left my Bible in my suitcase. So I'm going to go ahead and use my iPad this morning, which is the same scripture either way. But uh, our scripture lesson this morning comes from Matthew 12, starting in verse 9 through 21. And I'll be reading out of the Common English Bible this morning. Jesus left that place and went to their synagogue. A man with a withered hand was there, wanting to bring charges and wanting to bring charges against Jesus. They asked, "Does the law allow a person to heal on the Sabbath?" Jesus replied, "Who among you has a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath and will not take hold of it and pull it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? So the law allows a person to do what is good on the Sabbath." Then Jesus said to the man, "Stretch out your hand." So he did, and it was made healthy, just like the other one. The Pharisee went out and met in order to find a way to destroy Jesus. Jesus knew what they had intended to do, so he went away from there. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them all. But when he ordered them not to spread the word about him, so that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Look, my servant whom I chose, the one I love in whom I find great pleasure, I'll put my spirit upon him, and he'll announce judgment to the Gentiles. He won't argue or shout, and nobody will hear his voice in the streets. He won't break a bent stalk, and he won't snuff out a smoldering wick until he makes justice win, and the Gentiles will put their hope in his name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there's two ways, at least two ways to tell any story, right? So this story, um, way one is I was focused like a laser on the topic that was set for today and thus wasn't able to include Father's Day references in my message. Story number two. I forgot until Friday that this weekend was Father's Day, so it didn't even come up in sermon preparation. Now, you may believe either of those stories that you like. It matters not. But please pray with me. God, we present ourselves to you. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight because you, God, are our strength and our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I love the sounds of babies in the room. So who among you that has a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and pull it out first do any of you actually have sheep okay i thought there might be somebody so it was worth asking second you might know this this isn't really about sheep and if it is then you and i are the sheep let's sing i am the sheep you are the sheep we are the sheep together. But maybe it scares you to be sheep. Of course, you won't admit to being scared because you're an American man. You ain't scared of nothing. But <clears throat> you might say you're concerned or offended. Because if you're going to call people sheep, then they're sheeple. And nobody wants to be a sheeple. Nobody's going to call me a sheeple except. What if it's Jesus that calls you sheep? 
then what do you do with it? Because Jesus left that place and went into their synagogue, and a, withered, a man with a withered hand was there, wanting to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, does the law allow a person to heal on the Sabbath? Jesus replied, who among you has a sheep that falls into the pit on the Sabbath and will not take hold of it and pull it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? So the law allows a person to do what is good on the Sabbath. Then Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did, and it was made healthy, just like the other one. The Pharisees went out and met in order to find a way to destroy Jesus. Yeah, the Pharisees didn't like being called sheep either. But if you want to belong to God, you're a sheep. You're one of God's sheep. So let me clear this up a little bit more. You're a sheep because God is the shepherd. Also, the point here really isn't that we're sheep. Because if you listen right after that, the point is that we're more valuable to God than a sheep is than the sheep are to the shepherd. And when I first thought about that, I thought we're more important to God, but it doesn't say important. It says valuable. How often do you think of yourself as valuable to God? And if it might not be very often, I want to give you a moment now just to think you are valuable to God. Please take that home with you. You are valuable to God. So how do the Pharisees respond to Jesus' teaching that we are more valuable to God than a sheep is to the shepherd? The Pharisees went out and met to find a way to destroy Jesus. Well, See, the Pharisees felt threatened by the way Jesus presented God. The Pharisees didn't want people to see themselves as more valuable to God than sheep are to a shepherd. The Pharisees wanted to keep the people needy and afraid. Needy of, of meticulously following these rules that they had piled on top of God's instructions. And afraid, needy and afraid, afraid that God's going to turn his back on you and walk away. So I want to give you the good news this morning that if somebody is using God's name to keep you needy and afraid, that is not the God that Jesus presents. That is the God that the Pharisees present. To the God that Jesus brings us, the God Jesus teaches us, the God Jesus embodies in the flesh, we are more valuable than sheep. Or, as he said in Matthew 6, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus invited people, look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? To God, we are valuable. To God, we are worth more than they. So we're three weeks into our Do, our Do I Belong series, and honestly, I felt this week as I was working on this that maybe we should have started here. So as we continue to ask, Do I Belong, today we're going to look at the question from the other side, from God's side. Now, I know there is a God, I am not him. Neither are you, neither are we collectively, we can't take a vote and decide by vote what it is God speaks for or against. 
or decide the, the, the flimsier areas of extrapolations upon God's instruction. God is God, and God has blessed us with this beautiful gift, freely given to us and freely offered to everyone in and through Jesus. That's the best news we could ever have. If we lived like the good news was as good as the good news is, people around us wouldn't be asking, do I belong? They'd be asking, where can I sign up? We have to remember, it's not just the people out there who are wondering if they belong or not. There are people in here who are wondering if they belong. Some of that's because we've all got some Pharisee in us. We all have a penchant for making lists and then wondering why we and nobody else in the world keeps up with them. We have a, a, a great penchant for expanding upon God's instructions and interpreting ways that make us look good and everybody else look bad. And sometimes we do this because we're feeling needy and afraid. But I don't want you to feel needy and afraid anymore. Part of why we start worship with singing is that it helps us get our feelings headed Godward. When we sing together, we start to feel united. When we feel united and we're singing praises to God, songs that speak to our condition and to God's goodness and God's love for us, then at least some of the baggage that we all carried in here with us gets set aside. And some of the baggage was that something or someone had told us that we weren't valuable to God. Now, they might not have said it in exactly those terms, but every one of us has heard in various ways, from various voices within us and outside of us, that we aren't valuable to God. So since we're looking at this question, do I belong, from God's side, I want to focus on God's character, on who God is. Because whether or not we belong to God is really entirely up to God and not to us. Don't let anybody tell you differently, especially not the Pharisees, whether it's the Pharisees renting space for free inside your head or the Pharisees out here that are trying to keep you needy and afraid. If you wonder whether or not you belong, check in with Jesus. Jesus is the best image of God that we have. As one theologian said, God is at least as kind and good as Jesus. So whatever other images of God you might have collected over your years, weigh them against Jesus. If they don't match up, let them go. Which brings me to an unpaid advertisement for the Old Testament. I'm in favor of it, but I've long, long ago lost count of how many people see God in the Old Testament as radically different from God in the New Testament, the way Jesus presents God. In fact, Marcion, a world-class heretic, actually taught that the God of the Old Testament is a different God than Jesus shows us in the New Testament. Now, I admit, there are things in the Old Testament that are really hard to jive with Jesus. But we don't get to throw those out. We don't get to go all Thomas Jefferson on them and cut the parts of the Bible out that we don't like or we find hard to understand. So what do we do with the parts of the Bible that are difficult to read? Understand this. God intends the Bible to be helpful, 
in our relationship with God. And we have this teaching from John Wesley and from many other Christian leaders throughout history that we use the clearer readings in the Scripture to help us interpret the less clear. For today's purposes, this starts with this simply. Interpret everything in Scripture through Jesus. We see, we read everything through Jesus. As Paul said in Colossians, in Jesus, all the fullness of the, of the deity dwelt in Jesus. And Jesus says, you are valuable to God. More valuable than sheep are to a shepherd. But sticking with the shepherd motif, I want to share these words with you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He lets me rest in grassy meadows. I know it's a version you're not used to. He leads me to restful waters. He keeps me alive. He guides me in proper paths for the sake of his good name. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger because you are with me. Now the psalmist is speaking to God directly instead of talking about God. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. You set a table for me and right in front of my enemies. You bathe my head in oil. My cup is so full it spills over. Yes, goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the Lord's house for as long as I live. So Jesus doesn't cite this 23rd Psalm when he's following up on the Pharisees questioning him about healing on the Sabbath. He goes to Isaiah, he goes to Isaiah 42, and he, he says this. Listen to the characteristics of God in this reading that Julia read to you, and I'll read again. Jesus cites Isaiah, look, my servant whom I chose, the one I love, in whom I find great pleasure, I'll put my spirit in him. He'll announce judgment to the Gentiles. He won't argue or shout, and nobody will hear his voice in the streets. He won't break a bent stalk. He won't snuff out a smoldering wick until he makes justice win and Gentiles will put their hope in his name. So I want to point out something here in the line where he said, and he'll announce judgment to the Gentiles. We tend to think of judgment as negative because we feel it that way when, when we are judged by someone else. But who in the world would you rather have judging you than the one who made you and to whom you are valuable. It's really significant the way Matthew tells the story that Jesus is quoting Isaiah 42 and he, Matthew's version, Jesus' version here of Matthew uses the word Gentiles twice that it doesn't, it doesn't say it that way in Isaiah. So Jesus is adding this in, interpreting what Isaiah reads as nations as the Gentiles, because in Jesus' day, the Gentiles were a collective term for all those people who don't belong to God's people. There were the Jews, the chosen, God's chosen people, and there were the Gentiles, everybody who is not one of God's chosen people. But Jesus says that he'll announce judgment to the Gentiles. Who would you rather have judge you but somebody who loves you and who sees value in you? And he says, and the Gentiles will put their hope in his name. Jesus thinks differently about all those who aren't seen as God's people than many of God's people saw at the time. So whatever you wonder about the character of God, think of Jesus. 
you are valuable to God. And I want you to know that the way that we usually get this is through other people. It's almost impossible for most of us to imagine a, a, an abstract God finding us valuable if we've never had an actual physical person find us valuable. And so on Father's Day, I'm happy to reflect on all the ways that I remember my father expressing to me that I was valuable to him. He coached my teams in baseball and basketball, and I don't know, remembering, looking back, if he knew basketball or baseball well enough to be a coach, but he knew them well enough, he knew kids well enough to lead us and to show us that we were valuable. Growing up a military kid, I lived on both coasts of this country. I was blessed to be able to get to live in Japan and South Korea, and we did all kinds of things. It's like my dad valued this oppor these opportunities that we had to, to visit places that we'd probably never see otherwise. And so I rejoice now that I can feel valuable to God because my dad and so many other people made me feel valuable to them. So who in your life has made you feel valuable? I don't want to make that just about fathers on Father's Day because some people have fathers that honestly never made them feel valuable. They may have been so busy working to accomplish things to take care of them that none of the feeling of value ever actually translated. Or they may have been totally absent and felt no value at all. But for us to believe that God sees us as valuable, we need somebody in our lives to have shown us that we are valuable to them. You are valuable to God. Who has shown you that? Obviously, the main answer, the answer to every question in every children's message is Jesus. Jesus showed us in the way he lived, the way he taught, the way he dealt with the Pharisees that we are valuable to God. This is the character of God. So if we ask, do I belong? We ask Jesus, do I belong? We don't ask anybody that's in charge of lists of rules and regulations. We don't ask anybody who's in charge of membership. What do I have to do to belong? We ask God, the God who we know best in Jesus. And honestly, the way we know Jesus finds us valuable more than any other way is this symbol. The cross that was designed by the Roman Empire to be what is still to this day one of the most heinous methods of human ex execution ever devised. And Jesus willingly went and suffered that kind of execution to show us how valuable we are to God. To take all the pain and hate and suffering that sin could give on himself to tell us we are valuable to God. When you see a cross anywhere, take it as a reminder that you are valuable to God and God wants you to belong.